The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm Nil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. My guests today are Carmen, Gary, and Mike, the founders of Sena Vegan Plant Ranch, a company that does authentic Mexican plant-based meats better than anyone. Sena Vegan launched in 2016 as a taco cart in East Los Angeles and has now expanded into a plant-based meat manufacturer under the Plant Ranch brand that's expanding into retail and food service rapidly. In this conversation, we talk about how they got started because Mike had to find a way to feed 250 vegetarians at the top of a mountain. I'm not kidding. They used a plant-based meat created by Mike and Mexican recipes that were passed down from generation to generation in Carmen's family. Yeah, it's really quite a story. We then dive into how their taco cart became the talk of the town in LA with a loyal following and how they finally are at a point where they are close to embarking on a quest to be a real contender in the fast-growing plant-based meat space. It's really exciting to talk to a company that's so unique, making such delicious food and has so much potential. I really enjoyed getting to know Carmen, Gary and Mike, and I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Gary, Mike and Carmen, thank you for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. Thanks. Thanks for coming out. Thank you for having we us. We are grateful. I'm going to start with uh, reading uh, some of your Yelp reviews. So here's one. I had the carne asada nachos, and besides the texture being a little softer and easier to chew than steak, the flavor was steak-like with a hint of lime. How do they do that? The drizzle of cashew cheese, mild salsa, chips, guacamole, beans, in parenthesis, my mouth is watering. It was so good. That's just one. I'll read one more. Senna Vegan makes the best Mexican food in Los Angeles. It undoubtedly also makes the best vegan Mexican food in town. And one last one. Wow, I'm not even vegan. I just like whatever tastes good. But boy, these vegan street tacos are packed with a lot of flavor. So I just wanted to get the listener to get a sense of, of why I'm here with you all if they haven't tasted your products already. Senna Vegan has been much the talk of the town in L.A. since you launched a few years back. Um, I'm fairly new to L.A., but I've already had a taste of it, and I must say um, I'm a believer as well. So welcome, firstly, to the podcast, and um, why don't we start off with how your journey in the treacherous world of food began? Well, there's... there's and that's two, Gary speaking. That's just Gary. There's there's sort of two parts of the story. I, um I'll give you I'll give you a little bit of the after and then Mike can kind of fill in the before. So um Tarantino we, stuff. Yeah, kind of that style. We were um Mike and I actually uh were friends in high school and you know did the typical Facebook reconnect after years and years of not knowing one another. Um to make a very long story story a little bit shorter. Um we we hooked up, became friends again. Um my girlfriend who is now my wife, we all the four of us became friends. We were eating dinner in the back of their house and they had prepared this food and this food is what Santa Vegan has sort of become. Um, and I loved it and thought I would love to do this. Well, that process took a little while for us to decide to do it. Now for the, how do you go from the after to the before? So I actually tried the product after they had been making it for a while, but the, how it actually got made part is really pretty, pretty cool. It's a pretty amazing thing. And, and, oh my God. Uh, almost by accident. Um, 
Gosh, you got a minute? Okay, we have 45. <laughs> um, so we, the first time anybody we served anybody, the food was on top of a mountain. So that gets your interest going. Um, I was a volunteer forest ranger above Pasadena for, gosh, a little over a year. And uh, I had a project that I had taken on myself as, a, as volunteer rangers do in that I was doing a reconstruction of a historical site that used to be, it, it, in fact, it was the number one tourist destination in Los Angeles circa 1900. But it was this ruin, just, just the ruins of this hotel that's way up on top of a mountain above Pasadena. So I'd been working on it for months. And uh, I, had got, I just got laid off from my job, so I had a lot of time to throw in on it. So I was just climbing up the 1,500-foot mountain every day with my tools and hacking away and doing my best. And another volunteer noticed that at the meeting. He said, hey, man, I can come and help you. And I go, really? That would be awesome. How many people you got? 10, 20? He says, no, I had 250. And I was like, let's do this. So he came out, and uh, his name is Andres, and he, he's been a really dear friend to me and the company. And um, he brought 250 people out, and, and uh, his group is called Mis Hermanos Pecanitos. So he got done in like four hours, what would take me months to get done. And I was so thankful. And all these people, it was just, I was, it was heartwarming to see these people working so hard uh, for nothing. And he said, nobody ever thanks us at all. Thanks for thanking us. I was like, I'll tell you what, if you guys come back, I'm going to make you lunch next time you come back. He says, that would be so cool. So long story short, you know, I had been laid off of my job. Uh, it was about six months later and he said, Hey, we're ready to come back. Is the lunch offer still on? I was like, uh, yeah. So I, um, I petitioned all these different companies and whole foods and everybody and explained to this, this flyer exactly how great this project was. And, and I wanted to feed him lunch and, and I got turned down by everybody. So it was a couple of weeks before we were supposed to serve all these people. And, um, and I had nothing. I had about $800 left in my savings. And we figured it would cost about 800 bucks to feed them. So I was like, what am I going to do? Uh, so I got books. I watched videos. I looked at everything to make meat that I possibly could. So this group is all vegetarian. They're Seventh-day Adventists. And uh, so I'm making them vegetarian tacos. And um, that was my plan. And uh, it was I, I just kept trying everything just by the book. I followed everything by the book and it came out just like all the other stuff that I tried, just kind of spongy and it just didn't work right. And then I was just about to give up and, and Carmen pretty much said, you know, we've been cooking together for 15 years. Um, just sleep on it. See what happens. I think you can do it. So it, it was like four in the morning. It was just, I just had this epiphany of how I was going to do it. I, said, I know how it's going to go together. I said, when she goes to work, leave me some marinade, like as if we're making carne asada at home. And uh, I'm going to give this this one last shot. So, okay. Anyway, she goes off to work, and I start in on it, and it's working. It's working. Finally, I get my first bit of the meat that comes out, and I'm like, it was exactly what I wanted it to be like. It was exactly what I envisioned it. And I was like, oh, my God, this stuff worked. So she comes through the door after work, and I'm like, throwing a taco right in her face. He's like, can I get in the door? And, uh, and she says, wow, this is really good. You're onto something. How did you just, it doesn't matter. Get it done. So over the next week, it took me a week to make enough for 200 people. Like what we do now in like 10 minutes, it took me a week to do. And, uh, and everybody ate everything. We, we carried all the stuff at my, my, uh, brother-in-law my sister-in-law, uh, Carmen, myself, we all, we all carried all this stuff over to the mountain and set up tables and served everybody, and they ate everything, and they were really happy. Some people were like, I don't know, I, I think that's meat. But, but we all ate on top of the mountain, and everybody was so happy. And it was just this really cool vibe, and that was the end of it. That was basically like, wow, that was really cool. I want, the, the thing is, is that I wanted to give to the forest, right? These guys want to give to the forest. Then they want to give to me. I want to give back to them. So everybody's like doing this giving thing and, it, and this magic happens in the middle of that. Just this magic thing happens. And I can't explain it, but it, it all came out of giving, out of, out of this giving spirit. So that's what, that's what it started with, which is uh, to, to this day, it fascinates me. This story fascinates me. So 
it fast forward about a month. I think it was about a month later. We had Gary and Teresa, his his bride to be, came over for dinner, and Carmen and I made this big spread. And Carmen's an awesome cook, especially the Mexican food. She's just amazing. And uh, we made this huge spread, and um, Gary, at the end of the meal, he said, "Man, that's the best meal I've had since my mother's." my mother was alive and and i said dude that was all vegan you know and the time he was not vegan and he was just gave me this look like you're shitting me (laughs) no this is all vegan so he goes home it was like the next day he comes back and he says you know i don't know what you're doing now stop doing that do this he says i'm in i'm in marketing he says i I could sell this you got to do this carmen said no He's going to go back and get a job, engineering consulting. He's going to do the thing he's been doing. He, no, thank you. Gary's like, Duh. so he comes back again. And he says, no, you got to do this. You, you got to do this. So he didn't let up until finally, and I had told Carmen, I said, you know, I'd love to be a taquero. And she's like, you're not going to be a taquero. I said, no, it'd be cool. I don't have to do that much to make a nut, help, help uh, pay the rent. It'll be fine. We'll have fun with it. No, just no. So... After we got started, the first day that we started on the boulevard, I remember we were at Art Walk on, on uh, York Boulevard, and I looked over at Carmen, I gave her a big elbow, and I said, look who's a taquero now. So that, that's basically how it worked, and it just started with us just with our little taco cart on York Boulevard, and and then people started coming by, and then some bloggers came by and said, hey, these are really good, and then before you know it, we had this line that went all the way down the street, and then... Uh, and then it went around the corner, and we couldn't be on the street anymore because it wasn't safe. So we had to rent a parking lot, and now that's what we do now. So we rent this parking lot out, and we have a lot of we've met a lot of really amazing people along the way. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. it sounds like it, Carmen was the was the chef as such. Um, so how did you learn how to make the the actual initial product was it was it a mix of some of the seasoning and the blends that she was already using and you just kind of uh, found a solution because you were forced into this this amazing point where you had to come up with something well yeah it was desperation is is the mother of invention right but uh, she's the one that has had the recipes over the years and her and I we've done a lot of cooking together so i i've some of the cooking i've done some she's done but when it comes to mexican food she she would not let me do bad things. So I, I follow her lead. So I've I've actually learned from her over the last couple of decades almost uh, of how things go together, spices and things. And this is just one thing that we make. She makes just so many different things that at home that uh, that we eat. But uh, the meat is one of them. I came up with the the protein to to put her recipes on top of. So it was kind of a cooperative effort between the two of us. And then um I think I think one of the things that that when we when we did this, right, and when when I was trying to talk them into doing it, um I had no <laughs> desire to be a Takero. <laughs> was not part of the plan. The the real plan was was and and from really when when we came up with Senevegan the brand and sort of thought about it, it was really about becoming a plant based meat manufacturer. Because what I was so enthralled with, I mean, aside from the fact that Mike's right, Carmen is an amazing cook and the dinner was amazing. But the light bulb moment that I had that night was uh, I, like Mike said, I wasn't a vegan, and and if I could respond this radically to this meat, like I was freaking out about it. It was like those Yelp reviews. I mean, it's I was the first Yelp review, right? And if I was that enthusiastic about it, and I did say that, I said, you know what? If 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 I like this as much, I can sell this and make mm-hmm. this happen. Did we, you know can, what it was made we of? We can make this. I didn't even care. Oh, it was. Okay. I mean, it was so good. It was. I mean, like I, I was. I was very far away from being vegan. I yeah. mean, I probably the next night probably went and we went and had a steak or something like that. I don't know, but um, but I just knew that it was like you know this is this is amazing and if i can think that there's got to be a lot of people who are going to feel the same way and it was really that journey and when we started the journey about getting onto the 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 tacos it was 
it really was okay so how what's the most effective way to to get this product into um, into people's mouths with very limited budget because we didn't have a lot of money. We were just going to pitch in a couple of thousand dollars each and see how it went. And then Mike's idea of, you know, I do want to be a Tercaro and let's maybe a taco cart would be good. I, I, you know, it's a little more than that. I mean, I think, I think the notion of doing it, right, was that we wanted to, this was the ultimate proving ground. This is East LA. And this is, this is the place where street tacos are the shit. So if you if you're if if our product isn't going to make it there and it's not going to thrive, well then it was an experiment that was interesting and maybe it didn't work. But I, we really tried it this way, the 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 right way, and we had all the right ingredients, right? I mean, we had this amazing meaty product. We had Carmen's recipes, which are just off the hook out of this world. And and frankly, we we one of the one of the beautiful things about oh god beautiful i don't want to say that word because it reminds me of something orange um one of the most amazing one of the most amazing things about um about about our products and we do get to say and again this was like from a marketing person's dream right the story the this the generations old recipes they really are generations old recipes and it's something that that we can we can sell and give to the world enthusiastically and and truthfully, that's which is I think why people say it's the best Mexican food. Well, it is because it's the real deal, and that was always one of the that was always one of the pillars of the brand was that we were always going to be uncompromising and authentic. Everything we did, whether it was making tacos or making the meats or the salsas, everything anybody will say about our products are that the salsas are the real deal. Their our hot salsa has made men cry, and we're okay with that. It's fine because because it's all about being real, right? I mean, that was the so from a marketing point of view, it, that was the hole that that we saw right away, right? Which was we tried all of these products. That was one of the first things we did was we bought everything we could. We sat around, we tried it all. We we just were blown away by how not Mexican the Mexican flavors were. And so it was, this is exactly where we need to be, and we, ne- we never change this. No matter what we do, no matter how big we get, and we are going to get big, we said from the very beginning, um, we're never going to change it. Yeah. yeah. Before, I, before I get into like, why you chose the direction you chose with uh, starting with uh, um, uh, was it a food truck or was it just a taco stand? Nope. Just a taco. Uh, just a taco card. Mm-hmm. Before we get into that, I, I, Carmen, I want to get your input on um, the secret to the. You don't have to reveal the secrets, but at least some background into the secrets of um, the recipes and and how you first, what your first reaction was in 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 trying to apply those recipes to this new meat-like product that you had never used before. Right. So um, I learned to cook from my mother um, when I was a teenager. Uh, my mother, um, of course, learned her recipes from her mother. My grandmother um, and my mom, they were both from San Luis Potosí. My mother was raised in Guadalajara. And then um, we, uh, we came to this country as children. But I remember growing up is that our food never came from a can. It never came from a bag. I didn't have fast food until I was a teenager and had my own money, because all of our meals were cooked at home. Mom felt that that whatever food you prepared had to be as close to the source. When people talk about, you know, uh, plant-based or a clean food, um, mom had the idea about that when we were very little, back before you had all these labels, and, and it was the cool thing to do. Um, all of our food was made from scratch, every salsa, every dish, everything was made from scratch. The salsa that we serve, the medium salsa, the way mom used to make it was in a molcajete, which is the stone, <laughs> and you have to you grind everything by hand. There is no blender, and that's how I learned how to make it, and it was really hard. I don't know if you ever tried to ground a dried chili pepper. It is really hard, and... Um, I remember when I used to make it, I used to ask mom, mom, can I just have a little bit of water? It would help. She's like, nope, just keep grinding. I'm like, but this is like really hard. And um, by the time I would be done grinding all the peppers and the roasted tomatillos and the garlic and seasoned everything and it was done, my knuckles would be on fire from all that grinding. And we would sit around you know, the dinner table, you know, we eat family style and I'd be so upset. And mom would look at me, she goes, you know, I love it when you make the hot salsa because 
you get so mad, and that just makes it extra spicy. <laughs> so needless to say, as a teenager, I had no problem rolling my eyes. It's like, this is brutal. But I appreciated everything that I learned. Um, unfortunately, my mother died when I was uh, 17 years old. So to me, my inheritance were those recipes. It was spending all those months with her in the kitchen, and she was like a drill sergeant. So it wasn't like a fun exercise when I learned how to cook. It was more like, this is hard work. At the time, I think I was maybe a little bit more resentful that I wasn't allowed to be a teenager and go do my own thing, that I had to be in the kitchen and learn all these things. But I got to spend time with my mom. And I got to learn all these beautiful recipes and how to make them. And she would explain why things were done a certain way. And I would say today that is my inheritance. And I'm so happy that I did it. And so living in this country, Mexican food was always a challenge. Because to me, no, no matter where I went, it was really hard to get that taste, to get that same dish like mom would make. It was difficult, and I understand in restaurants, they're not going to cook everything from scratch. It's not, you know, practical, but that's what I was used to. So when it came to Mexican food, all growing up, I was always been a snob, and I always preferred my own because I make everything from scratch. When we started with the company, it wasn't, it was hard for me to agree to be into business because I found it very scary. But I realized here we have this amazing product that could that could serve people that need an alternative to eating meat. You know, when you look at the Latinx community, there's a high incidence of diabetes and other health problems. They were in my family, too. And I thought, it's not fair to not share this. And, and I think that, for me, was the driving factor of why I finally, I was the last one to say yes to the business. That was the reason. It was, it was knowing that we were going to share something that would make um, things better for a lot of people that would give them give them an alternative without them sacrificing any of the flavor or any of the any of the things that they're used to having. And so when we started um, creating the products, it, we it was the same thing. It was we're going to replicate what we had. It's just going to be a vegan version. And for a lot of people, this is good food on its own. It happens to be vegan. That's just a bonus. Yeah. Were you uh, both vegan at that point? or were you, So I know it seems like you were forced into the situation where you had to create some food to feed a lot of people. But were you already experimenting with different kind of vegan recipes in the past? And um, that led to this point. Correct. So at that point, Mike and I had been vegetarian for many years. Um, I think Mike probably still had cheese. He had a love affair with cheese. And I think at the time, the only thing that, that I would have every once in a while would be fish. But I, was, I, was a, I had a mostly vegan diet. So we did not eat meat. And so this was easy for us. The fact that mis hermanos pequeñitos were all vegetarian, that was not an obstacle for us. We were like, oh, this is not a problem. We can, you know, we can make you know, vegetarian, vegan Mexican food. Um, but you know, having Mike create that substrate, that meat analog, was incredible. To be honest with you, at the moment that it got created and it, everything worked so well, I didn't think, hey, let's go into business. I thought, oh, my gosh, I never have to buy another meat analog ever again. We're going to make our own forever from scratch. This is wonderful. Until Gary came along and then that all changed. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. <laughs> now you're going to make it for everyone else. Yep. Um, so what's the base of the, of the meat itself? Um, what's the protein? What is it made of? It's a uh, vital wheat gluten. And chickpea flour, that is the base. Okay, so it's, it's for anyone who's gluten-free, obviously this wouldn't be the best option, but uh, uh, that's a base for a lot of uh, meat, plant-based meat products you can, you can get, especially those that are not. We do have products that are gluten-free, though. As oh, well, you do. As well. Okay. The oh. the the product that Mike developed was mm -hmm. the was this was a version of the Satan product, which is the the gluten. But we've since um, we found we found some things, and we're still working with other things that are um, that are gluten free, because yeah, we have you know you, you need to have both options for people who are uh, who are headed this way. Yeah. So it sounds like uh, Gary and and Mike they both pressured you into into making this decision to. Uh, get into the food business. Um, I think they probably regret it more now than you do. <laughs> no, nah, we don't regret it. it, it you know, it, it's, it's just uh, it, it has been an amazing, very challenging learning experience. I'm kidding because I, I know the the early stages of of launching a food business is always supremely difficult. Oh no, um, it's been easy. That part's been simple. Um, 
why didn't you think of launching a restaurant? Like why why uh, why test out this? And I know you didn't start with a CPG brand necessarily, at least in the beginning. Uh, and you did test out the product um, in these food stands. What was the thinking behind that? Well, like I said, it was always going to be a plant-based meat company. That was it. From the very beginning, it was, it, it was that. And then it was, what's the most cost-effective way to get it into as many mouths as possible? And the cart was definitely it. I mean, it was, it's a, it, it, was, it started out as a guerrilla marketing tactic. I mean, that's what it was. It was, how do you go out and you, you do this and you build up a social media following and you get into some influencers' uh, 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 globe, their, you know, their, their realm, and, uh, and push it that way. And, you know, it, it turned out to be the most wonderful uh, happy accident, if you will, not really an accident because we pursued it hard, but, um, but, but it, it was, it was a, it was a path to this and, and it turned into a very profitable path that, that, like I said, it did, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It got us, it got us the, the audience and the following and the reputation. And, um, we met a ton of people and, you know, I think if we hadn't started this way, we would have been like a lot of other sort of incubator projects with um, with with a notion or an idea of what they were going to do. But we actually went out and market tested our product. We we did our own we did our own uh, uh, testing. We experimented with how to make things. We we have learned along the way of of having to serve our cart and supply our cart with how to actually scale and manufacture. And that is something that we just keep building this knowledge base. It's been fantastic. I'm actually really glad that we started off on the streets because of all the experiences that we've mm -hmm. had. I mean, some of the people we've met have been fantastic. I mean, just we met people that are going to be our friends for life. And a lot of times, for especially for a while, it just kind of felt like going to the boulevard uh it's like you're you're going to have a, a meal with uh 600 of your closest friends right and and we know people by name and they come up and it was just it, it's just a magical kind of thing and and i'm almost a little bit sad that we're you know right now with all the stuff we're doing i'm i'm constantly having to do things here in the kitchen and and, and it's taking me away from the boulevard a little bit i mean uh we work every day. We work every day. But uh, the thing that's really cool that you see over time, I mean, you read a couple of, of Yelp reviews, man, but we, we, we get them face to face, the things people say to us, the look on their face, you know, just you're, you're in it for years and you see people's reaction to food, right? Mm -hmm. When we first started, we gave away more than we sold. The first few weeks, we were just giving away. People were like, oh, I, don't eat, I don't eat that plant-based meat. BS and it's just like come on just try it and those some of those people are our regular customers now or or a lot of times you have the younger uh younger latinx crowd they're gonna bring they're gonna bring mom and dad who are like i'm not i'm trying just try it dad try it and they come in and uh and uh i we see a lot of times they'll come in this happens so many times they come in and then and now they come back by themselves Right. And that's how it spreads. And like Carmen was saying, you know, when we first started the company, her and I had a lot of a lot of conversations about the good that we'll be able to do in the communities in which we live. Right. Because a lot of the people I grew up in Highland Park, I was born a mile away from where our pop up is. And and I had a lot of friends, a lot of people that are sick, you know, from and I would see the progression of people coming in from Mexico and then they get into the dollar menu stuff and they're working two jobs and they're not it's not the same as, as it was in their country. And uh, and we have a way of of letting them have some kind of sada and and not have to load up on cholesterol. Right. Not have a stroke, not have a heart attack later on. So it feels really good to be a part of that. And then all the other things that, that are encompassing it, you know, as far as it's not harming the planet, it's not, uh, it's good for your health, it's, it's good for the animals. All these things I've, I've come to, to learn over time, being in the meat business, right? A lot of the research and as we're growing this business from, you know, so many pounds, we've got to get to like 20,000 pounds of meat a day, 30,000 pounds of meat a day. You have to go and get equipment that's, that's made for, for processing animals and when you do that you learn about 
the absolute cruelty that, that is going on under the surface. Not somebody from PETA telling you, but you're reading catalogs and you're talking with people that work in the business. And they're saying, yeah, as a matter of fact, yeah, this is, this is how it works. And, and I think most people, if they saw it, they'd be aghast. They would just go, oh, my God. And I, and I see that when people are buying meat and they're eating meat. And I, I, I certainly, once you see that, you can't unknow it. You, you can't unsee that. And I can't ever go and eat meat again because I know what goes on behind the scenes. I know how ugly it is. And, uh, and I'm glad that we're a part of it. Every time we sell a taco or every time we sell a burrito, it's one burrito that's not coming from a cow or coming from a chicken or coming from a pig. So to me, that, that's also an inspiration to keep, keep moving. Just keep it moving. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, never, I'm surprised I haven't been given that perspective before from someone who's making a plant-based meat that um, when you're trying to buy equipment to scale the production of this, you probably come across people who are offering uh, equipment that is used to, to butcher and process animals. I, just, I was just in Chicago last week for the uh, for a, a processed food expo with the biggest ex, the biggest ones in the country and it was primarily meat processing and and uh looking at the videos uh people that are in the business it, this is a you don't get in this you don't just walk in off the street you're in the business so uh they say no photography any of that stuff and i can see why it, it's a gruesome business it is a gruesome business that i have to use some of the same equipment to process to make things work right um, you still need to chop, you still need to do all these different things, but we're not chopping animals, we're chopping vegetables. So I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the other thing you mentioned was the, um, which I think is, uh, it's really unique and, and important part of your story is that you started off right here in Highland Park. You could have launched a food truck and, and driven to Venice and Santa Monica and, and reached a very more than willing uh, consumer base that would be happy to try uh, vegan tacos and vegan burritos um, only because they were vegan, not for any other reason, even if it didn't taste the greatest. Uh, the fact that you, you t market tested it probably amongst the toughest crowd speaks volumes about the, the kind of food that you're doing. Of course, if anyone tasted it, they'll know what I'm talking about. But um, was a pretty bold move on your part, I must say, but also the right one. Yeah, it was like Carmen and I have been we're, we're like food fanatics for i have been since i was a kid just riding around highland park on my bicycle i went through a, a period where i was finding every burrito in town every gordita in town all the tacos in town just as a kid just doing this and uh carmen and i used to go uh looking for senna that was one of the things we did so our name our company name is senna so we would go down in the in the neighborhoods all over East LA and, and some like Koreatown and look for the clear bulbs, and we would eat street food. So Santa means dinner in Spanish or Chena in Italian, but but here it's slang for home cooked street food. And the really cool thing about Santa uh, is that it's an upwardly mobile way for immigrants to make money. And and we've met a lot of immigrants who have have been able to save up and have a brick and mortar. Like a guy might be doing gardening during the day. His wife is prepping stuff and they go out after that, they wash up and go out and start serving Santa on the street to augment their income. And man, what's more American than that, right? The American way this entrepreneurial spirit that people have. And, and, and we were so taken by that and eating some really amazing food on the street. It's, it's, it's a, it's a whole philosophy, right? It's, we could be in a truck cause we had the food truck craze, but we couldn't feed as many people as we do in a truck. Believe it or not, we could feed about four times more on the street than they can feed in a truck because the food wouldn't fit in a truck. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, but the idea of being able to have our clear bulbs and to, and to be out there doing something that is so much a part of the fabric of this community that we're in, that is a way for people to be upwardly mobile, right? And, and, uh, it means a lot, you know, it means a lot. It's, it's an emotional thing, but you know, when you see that clear bulb, you know, that's, that's where something good is happening there. Yeah. And so you've been doing this now for a couple of years, more than a couple of years, three, three years, years yeah. now since 2016. Uh, 
why the next step at this point um, and what's going on in terms of that that process of you now evolving into something much bigger and realizing the, the vision you had? Well, so last year, it was actually May 5th on uh, Cinco de Mayo in 2018, we launched in uh, in our first two stores. One was Organics in Eagle Rock and the other was the Follow Your Heart Cafe uh, in the Valley. And, you know, like I said, this was always the the thing, right? And so we managed to sort of turn that. We got some products into we got some some product into packages. We're having a little bit more success. Lassen's came calling, and and um, and then at the end of last year, Whole Foods came calling as well. And we weren't prepared for Whole Foods, but we have been. We're like, yes, we would love to do this. We're going to figure out a way to get this and make this happen. The end of at the end of last year, we all got we got together and we kind of said, okay, now. We've had amazing success with the Senna Vegan Cart. We've done Coachella. We've won awards from the from Veg Out LA, and we've been we sort of were had great success at Eat Drink Vegan and the other the other projects that Nick Adler had going. And we you know we had, we had to do a gut check, and it was okay. We're we're making we're making okay money here. We're doing this. Do we continue this, or do we really turn? the ship and do what we said we were going to do a couple of years ago, which was to focus on the plant-based meats. And we all said, you know what, that's the, what we wanted to do. And, and you know, to, to sort of speak to, to that philosophy of wanting to help the community, the small community, right? I mean, you think about the fact that, that the Senate Vegan Card, is, as, as wonderful as, as the accolades have been, we're still a very micro business in a very small portion of Los Angeles. And so the opportunity to help even more people, right, by expanding and, and, and really focusing on the plant-based meat business is the opportunity to do exactly what we've been doing, but on a much grander scale. So we, we, we figured this was the time. And um, in February, we set about the process of really digging in and writing the business plan and, and getting the pitch deck together and starting to meet the people and um, found uh, 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 Anthony and Morgan from uh, Sprouted, Sprouted Ventures, uh, who have been really helpful in, in helping us to connect with, the, uh, with, with some of the very large influential investors in the vegan community. Um, and we have just continued on our path as well to scale up, to learn about the business. And we have managed to come back around with Whole Foods and we're getting very, very close to having something going with them. And, um, so this has been, this has sort of been the natural evolution to basically go from, and, and it came around from this great success that we had to saying, okay, now do we really, we, let's, let's. Let's do what we said we were going to do. Let's really hit this and make it happen. And, you know, boy, you know, learning, learning about, the, about the food service business and the restaurant business was one thing, but really diving into the manufacturing has been uh, something else entirely. We have, we have really had to learn this business and, and understand it. But again, you know, this experience has, has made us, I think, as a company, really... Uh, not only grateful, cognizant, but able to understand what it takes to make this dream a reality. And I, I said, I said earlier, you know, there's a lot of business plans. There's a lot of incubators out there. A lot of people saying, well, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And yeah, well, we come out here and we do it and we're, and we've been doing it. And, you know, we, we grow the, we grow the retail business and now we have our eyes set on, uh, on food service in the food service sector of the of 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 the business and actually going out and providing a better more authentic version of plant-based mexican meats to other restaurants and i think i think helping in that way is going to be gigantic because we're going to actually give those restaurants the opportunity to serve their customers, their loyal customers, the foods the way they want them prepared as well. There's not going to be any compromises with with meats, plant-based meats that are just, you know, I hate to say this, but ground beef. Um, we are we are an authentic version of it. Yeah. And so uh, was this, uh, Carmen, from um, scaling up the production of these, because you were talking about how you inherited these recipes and and making that even for a a food stand for a few hundred people while no easy task um it's still very different from being able to manufacture that using industrial equipment to be able to supply it either to restaurants because i know 
I heard uh, the first time I tasted one of your products was actually at Veggie Grill last year. I think it was last year uh, in the seasonal menu. So once you're now you have commitments from food from restaurants and now eventually um, you've obviously started getting into retail as well. How complicated was that process of taking those home cooked recipes and then gradually scaling that up to this point where, you know, next thing you know, you're going to be in Whole Foods. Right. So one of the things about the three of us and that we're very lucky is that the three of us have had so much experience right in our professional lives that lend itself really well to this business. Mike and I have a, a background in manufacturing and operations uh, and lean manufacturing and the Toyota production system. So when it came to looking for ways of how to scale up even our small taco cart, that is exactly what we did. We dug really deep into all the experience that we had over the last, the last 25 years of, ma of working in manufacturing and in operations and applied that to the cart. So one of the things about Santa Vegan that you would always hear from people is, don't worry about the long line because the service is really fast. That wasn't an accident. That was very intentional. The way every piece of equipment is laid out on our pop-ups, it, it has been thought out. It has been measured. It has been done in such a way so that the employees are not going to work extra hard. It's not going to be as physically taxing. It's going to take you from placing an order and getting it custom made and having it in under like two or three minutes. No matter how you order it, it's going to happen. And this is why you're hand-pressing tortillas, right, which is no easy task. But uh, when it came to the meat production uh, in the kitchen, we did the exact same thing. We're constantly tweaking it. We're always looking at what if we did this way? What if we changed it this way? How, what, what about a piece of equipment that would do this? We're always looking at that. And, you know, like I said, we're very thankful and, and, and so lucky that we have this background because I don't think that it would have been as easy at the stage that we are in as Gary mentioned you know Whole Foods um, had has been interested in us um, providing our plant-based meats for their taquerias it took us a while because uh, Whole Foods has a lot of regulation that uh, that companies that supply to them must comply with not just not just for them but in general like the FDA and so I have been managing quality management systems and manufacturing for over 15 years. I understand the ISO world. I come from an aerospace background, so I understand all those things. So it was just kind of shifting my focus from that to meat production, to the regulation that apply to the to making food. And in that regard, you know, Mike is excellent. Mike is uh, he's our engineer. He, if he can, if we can uh, think about something or dream it, Mike can make it happen. And I think that has been our, our saving grace in so many difficult times when we've had to double our capacity because we can't produce anymore and the orders are coming faster than we can handle them, is going back to the drawing board. How do we make this? The equipment that, that our plant-based meats get um, processed on, it's, it's, it was designed by Mike. And that's what made it happen. So like he said, the first time he had to make the, the plant-based meats to feed 200 and pe 250 people at the top of a mountain, no less, because we couldn't do a park down on, this, on the sidewalk level. It was the top of a mountain. Um, it took him a week to do such a tiny amount that we now do in minutes. And the reason that was able to happen is because Mike designed the equipment. It says brain never stops. And it's, it's a blessing for us because it gives us so much. So when you look at the pop-up, you know, we were talking earlier, um, you know, a lot of pop-ups, when they start, they're taking their orders on a little paper pad and it's, you know, they're ringing things up on their phone and we didn't, you know, we tried that. And as soon as within weeks and the line got long, we realized papers were not going to do it. And I looked at Mike, we got to do something. This is, this is not going to work. And uh, we had the solution, you know, we have tablets, we have a monitor, we have almost like a full, you know, kitchen system that you would expect to see in a, in a full restaurant on the street. Yeah. So, I mean, that's such an important part of um, this whole story, because I was going back to the Yelp reviews um, while I was, the only prep I did for this was 
uh, eating your food and reading the Yelp reviews, which was excellent prep in my opinion. <laughs> um, so <laughs> uh, I did have met Gary before, so I, I did know something about your business. Um, but one of the things I did read there was just this, uh, this, this theme of people saying it's really, the lines are long, but it goes by really quick. And so that, well, yes, it's great when you're running a, a pop-up um, and you want to feed a lot of people and you want them to say great things about the service, that those same lessons can then be trans... It's, it's the secret behind those lessons can be translated when you're manufacturing at scale. And it sounds like you all have the right skill sets to, to pull that off and make it happen, which I'm sure is going to be crucial as you enter your next phase where the only way you can actually scale this up and and fulfill the vision you have of being a meat company supplying these unique meats and unique flavors uh, nationwide and who knows globally down the line is if you are able to fundraise and and move out of uh, this shared kitchen facility you are in right now and um, and be that that new Santa vegan plant-based meat company before we talk about what's next for someone who doesn't have an idea about the range of products that you carry, uh, I know you do sell some of it online at the moment. So the easiest way for anybody outside of California to try it is to is to order it online um, because we're not in national retailers yet. We're in stores in, in California. And um, one of the places where they can get it online is at uh, milkguys.com. They ship they ship to they ship nationwide. We ship right now just to California, Arizona, and Nevada. Um, so we sort of cover those three states. They cover everything else. Um, what is available right now online are our seitan products, are sort of our, our, our core products, the carne asada, the pollo asado, and the al pastor. Um, and then um, we're, we're refining the gluten-free barbacoa, uh, and we have, uh, we have a, a couple other products that we have slated to launch, I believe, if I remember, sometime around March of 2020. Um, our, our product line is going to be focused, uh, primarily on Mexican flavors. So that's really where we're going to, that's where, that's our sweet spot. We know that's really where our, our, our heart, our passion is and where we can, we can help reach the most people. Right. I mean, I think that, I think the most important thing to do is to get people to try plant-based food. I think if you, if you're trying to just sell to vegans, um, you're going to, you're going to end up, you're going to end up a little short in, in what you're, what we're trying to do globally. Um, so if you don't have good food, if you don't have great food, you don't have really much to offer people who are on the fence about what it is they want to do. Um, that's kind of how we're, how we're going about it right now. And, um, like I said, our focus is going to be more, is going to be, is going to be split between retail and, uh, and selling into food service. And so all the f all the products that you currently sell online are they all pre-flavored? So you're not you're not yeah. trying to be a product that someone then has to come home and figure out no, and that's, which ten spices to add to it. I'm so glad you asked it. I'm so glad you asked that because it's a really good question, and I think that it calls back a little bit to what Carmen was talking about with with understanding what it takes in in restaurants and kitchens, right? And our product was always fully prepared, fully cooked, fully seasoned. Really only takes a few minutes to heat it up. We say you heat it up and eat it up. Um, you you can basically you heat it, you take it out of the bag, you you put it in a taco and you are good to go. Or a burrito or a salad or a sandwich or you can do we've done all kinds of things. I've actually made sushi with it. I am not not afraid to not afraid to say I made a spicy I made like a spicy tuna mock-up with our with our pollo and it was really good i liked it anyways um so yeah that's that's one of the big advantages and as karen was saying about about having a, a restaurant be efficient right one of the things that that we realize about our products that are going to be so helpful to restaurants is having a fully cooked fully prepared very dependable product that they can heat up in a uh in and put into a steam table makes it so easy for them to expand their menu offering it's effortless basically right they don't have to do anything if they already sell mexican food then all they have to do is put our product in a steam table and guess what every dish that they have if they can substitute the cheese and maybe they've got their beans or are vegan they can they can have almost an entire menu rather than just saying oh, we have one item that you get to have other than that vegans you get to have broccoli or french fries awesome for you um, yeah, yeah you that's know, such so, a crucial point because a lot of um, a lot of the argument that's made for some of the plant-based products is that 
um, chefs can make it their own. Um, they ha- they have a neutral base that they can then create something unique with. But and while that's good, uh, I think what ends up happening is they only have then one item on their menu that is their plant based option, and everything else is obviously still ninety nine percent is the meat stuff that's given the attention. Is so in your conversation so far in, in food service, especially, do is that come across as a as a as a big question for them as in we don't want something like I'm pretending to be the restaurant trying to look at your products. We don't want something pre-flavored because our chefs are better. Right. The thing about the the products though is that that's, you can almost treat them as a base and you can build upon that. And a great example of that is veggie grill. Veggie grill has today a carne asada burrito, but they've, they've, They've done their own flavoring to it. They've layered it and added additional things. And we've seen other restaurants do the same thing. So you're not limited to the carne asada always staying as carne asada. I can tell you personally, my carne asada is used in a lot of my dishes, including pozole. Mm-hmm. Uh, it holds up really well in liquid, which I didn't think was possible. I actually learned that from a customer over two years ago. And um, so... It gives them um, a product that is actually pretty flexible, that, it, that, that they can use in a lot of other dishes, and it doesn't have to stay as Mexican food. Some of our, some of our customers share, share, with us, share with us the pictures of the food that they make, and sometimes it's not even Mexican food at all. And we're amazed that you know, it works so well. Mm, that's, that's, so, that's so fascinating. I mean, I, I guess my question would be then, why also do um, retail? Why not just focus on food service and you know focus on that for the next couple of months and years and then tackle retail down the line? You've seen a lot of other companies use that as a possible strategy where they, they spend a year or two ramping up for food service and then uh, down the line when they have enough capacity, uh, they're thinking about retail because the worst thing you can do, and this is what I've heard across the board, and I don't know much. I just listen to a lot of people. The worst thing you can do across the board is get a deal with a big distributor or, or land up in a retail chain and then suddenly be out of stock um, because you can't keep up. Um, yeah, so I guess why the decisions that you made? Well, there's a couple of reasons, and, and you, you kind of you, you allude and kind of hit on all of them, really, right? And, and one is profitable growth. One is ability to fulfill the orders that you're going to get. Um, scalability is certainly very important. I think what 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 gets lost to a lot of people on the outside is when they they get their frustrations by beyond or impossible being out of you know there's no burgers at at Carl's or there, there's no burgers at the small places because they're dealing with this. Well, I mean, remember we are all all of us. I mean, beyond impossible, light life. Uh, uh, Field roast us. We're we're a company competing with an industry, and by the industry, I mean the meat industry. A, there, it, the restaurants and chains can get their meat from any number of distributors, and or the distributors get them from any number of people who are supplying meat, right? But we're all sort of supposed to be responsible for manufacturing our individual products for an entire franchise, hundreds of franchises potentially. And and yeah, that is a that is a gigantic that is a gigantic challenge. Um, which is, I think, one of the reasons that we're focused where we're focused is that the the Mexican food service business is a multi billion dollar industry in the United States alone. So if we focus on that and do that better than anybody else, this is kind of a nice opportunity for us to go in and, and say, look, I mean, everybody else wants to. These days, it seems like they want to fight a burger war. I mean, you've got Nestle doing the burger. You've got Light Life coming out with a burger. Of course, you've got Beyond and Impossible. When we were out at Plant Based World, that was primarily what everybody was showcasing was try our burger. Our burger is new and improved. And I remember walking around thinking, great, because nobody seems to be saying try our carne asada, try our pollo asado, try our pastor. This was a, this this we we recognized as being a tremendous opportunity and a tremendous way in. Now the other thing that goes with that is, from from a marketing point of view, um, 
food service allows you to market in in a more cost-effective way than retail does. So we look at us, right? We're at our first round of fundraising. So what's the most intelligent way to do what we sort of have been doing, which is to get our product into as many mouths as possible? Well, we're just kind of scaling up the cart if you think about it, right? I mean, we're, we're actually selling it into restaurants so that they can serve it to their customers so their customers can say, hey, what's that meat you guys are using? I think I want to know where I can get that. Well, that, that actually fires up the retailers to want to carry us. And, and it, gives us, it gives us entree all around that way um, a lot more effectively. One of the things that kind of remember is we don't have a salesperson. We haven't gone out and sold to people. Most of the customers we have, Whole Foods, and they've all come to us and said, hey, let's do some business. Let's make this happen. So that's kind of cool. So we, we're not turning on a the sales faucet right now we're, we're building up the infrastructure we're doing our homework i'm you know i'm going to these shows to look at equipment and and talk with people that have been in the business for 40 years or 50 years right and what i'm learning is is wow we're just we're just a gnat in this business when when i talk to people and i look at some of the machinery we're looking at it's like yeah it'll process uh 15 000 pounds an hour and I'm like going, yeah, I don't need that one. <laughs> you have a smaller one. You have something that's a little smaller. Yeah. Uh, but by the scale at which people shove meat in their face is astounding. Yeah. Because uh, a mom and pop meat producer is a million pounds. Uh, uh, a million pounds a day, something like that. It's like, it's insidious. It's uh, So when we're talking about the scale that we're at, we're small, right? We want to grow organically, but we, but obviously we know there's this, this great big wide open window and people could use our product. And it's, it, we get really excited thinking about it and anxious because we want, we want to be big. We want, we want to be sending out pallet loads of this stuff. Cause then we know that there's pallet loads of, of animals are not going to be suffering. Right. So that's how do we get there? How do we change hearts and minds? How do we get out there? So, Pretty much one taco at a time, one burrito at a time, man. You come and try it. Uh, you know, we see a lot of carnivores come to our come to our cart. And these guys are like, well, my girlfriend drugged me along. But, man, give me that carne asada burrito. That thing's badass. They get it every week. And that's that's what we want to be, like the Elvis of meats, right? Beyond and Impossible are doing an awesome job getting people to try uh, a plant-based meat. They're going, this is good. Why, why not do this? Why not? Now that people have that message in their head of the why not, well, why not when you go to a Mexican restaurant? Why not? And what does it do for the customers we're selling to right now? We sell to a customer. It's like, yeah, it's good for our business. If you promote it right, you, you promote it right, the customers come back to us and say, man, this is a shot in the arm for us. We got people that wouldn't come in the door. Now they're coming in the door and they're eating at our place. So so much good is being done there. I'm, yeah. I'm so excited about the future. I can, I can hardly stand it. <laughs> I also think that, well, you know, of course, I think you, you in some ways answered my question without answering it. But, but, but I, I did pick up on this that, that you have, um, well, food service is obviously a big opportunity. Um, like just the Mexican restaurants. I could totally see this, this uh, becoming a, a staple everywhere you go. Um, that's such an obvious next step. But the other thing is that what's what's unique about what you've been doing for the last three years is you've been building a brand. And it, it kind of has a bit of a rabbit following. It would almost be um, – it would be the wrong decision to grow without also growing that brand. So as much as you can get into food service, the opportunities for branding there are not – not always the greatest. Well, in some cases, more than others, uh, depends on which company you are. Um, for a lot of years, a lot of CPG brands didn't get into food service because they were required to strip their brand um, and just show up on the menu as the plant-based option. And for a company that's also trying to send across a message, um, deliver on this promise that this is food that can help people feel better, that can save the planet, that tastes delicious, that is, it's authentic Mexican food, it just so happens to be plant-based, uh, you kind of have to be in retail. Um, and, and, it's, and if you can do both, why not, right? So if you can, of course, figure out how to ma scale your manufacturing to the point where you don't have to compromise on the authenticity or the quality of your products and your recipes, 
And if you are able to fundraise enough, you you should be everywhere and you should be there as soon as possible because not everyone's going to be living next to restaurants where your products are available. That we're we're on that path. We're on that path. I have the vision of, of how we're going to get there. I can see it pretty clear. And the one thing we're not going to do is we're not going to compromise and and make some of the make make it less than it was from the first day. If anything, it's getting better, right? As we grow, as we get better types of equipment, as we as we move up the ladder, um, it's it's only going to get better because yeah. it's it's our baby. It's not it's not going to change. It's not going to change. It's yeah, not so, something where we're going to sell out to Cargill and they're going to start making rubber dog shit. That's not what we want. <laughs> uh, so when so it's talking about the future and and kind of um, almost envisioning it because you are uh, at this point where I think you're ready for 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 the next phase and you're sort of at the precipice of that happening. Um, and what follows after that is 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 going to lead to only bigger and better things. Um, so I close out every episode with the same question. I ask all my guests this question is that you obviously all got into this because you saw the potential of the food you were making. You saw the positive impact it could make on communities, on the planet, on the lives of animals. And you did it because you see we... The current food system that we have, which feeds the 7.6 billion people on the planet, is obviously unjust and unsustainable. And we need to create a better food system, but it isn't going to happen overnight. You need companies like you and and all the other plant-based food startups that are now trying to go and recreate this this new new food system of the future. Um, when you look ahead, say, uh, to the year 2050, and I give that year because the human population is going to be at 10 billion at that point. If we haven't done something to solve the problem with our food system by then, we're going to be shit out of luck. Um, but if you do get it right, and I say if, but I should say when, when we do get it right, because companies like Sanavik are going to make that happen, what is that vision of a future food system that is fixed and better than the system we have today? 10 billion people. I'm going to have to trouble just finding a parking spot. <laughs> it's t- definitely not in LA for sure. Yeah, You'll no. never find parking here. No. Omaha. <laughs> <laughs> I think there, for me, there's, there's really two things. And, and the first one, which you, which you touched on is sustainability. And, um, I think anybody who isn't on to the fact that the way we feed the world is not sustainable and, and any argument to the contrary is stupid. So I think we put that on the table right away and say, look, this is, this is first of all, it's about sustainability. Well, there's a number, there's 1A, 1B, 1C, right? It's about everything. But, but sustainability is really important. The second thing is um, how do you change people's perceptions? The easiest way to do that is to give the benefit directly to the person. That's called what's in it for me. And for us and for me, sitting back in that backyard, having that food for the first time, the what's in it for me was this food is amazing. It is so good. I love it. And that's the way you do it, right? If we can make food that is consistently delicious and amazing, it doesn't matter if it's vegan. It's just good food. And that's the most important thing that any company in our category to me, should be thinking about. <laughs> it's how do you make it taste so amazing that people say, I really don't need the other thing anymore. I'm good with that. Now we're addressing sustainability. That's the deal. I agree with both of them. I think that as we move forward right now, being vegan, sometimes you look at like you're weird or what's wrong with you. I remember being in Paris and the response we got, you don't eat animals? Why? I think that moving forward, I think it's going to be the opposite. I think people are going to look at those that eat animals and ask, why? I think that the choices that you're going to have are are going to be such that it's a no-brainer to be vegan, to not be part of a system that's so cruel to animals. I, I just... That's what I'm looking forward to. And yes, I agree with Mike. I don't think we're going to be able to find parking ever again. But then the cars don't um, 
need to be parked anymore. I guess we just walk everywhere. Maybe you won't need cars by we then. We won't need cars. <laughs> so, uh, may, uh, yeah, I guess someone should get working on that too. Yeah, I, uh, I think a lot about the future. I think a lot about we are at the cusp of something that's kind of mysterious, right? You don't know what tomorrow brings. And that uncertainty makes you feel very alive, right? Um, we, we have some, we don't know where we're going to be a year from now or two years from now, but we do know, I do know one thing is that this, uh, the meat is life-changing for us. It's been life-changing for our customers. Uh, the things that people have told us make me feel sure that the future will be wonderful for all of us. And, um, and, and I, and I honestly think that, uh, we can do this and our heart is in it. Um, it. We just, everything, the way it happened, like the story of how we started, everything is just almost mystical the way it's all come together. It blows my mind. Just me and Carmen being together and cooking for all those years, everything, her mother sharing recipes with her and all the things that we've done. They have this saying that everything I've ever done has prepared me for what I'm about to do. And, and I think that's true for all three of us is that everything we've done is preparing us for what we're about to embark on. And, uh, and I think we're going to, our goal is to change the world one taco at a time. I mean, if that's for lack of a better way of looking at it, we're, we're going to try it. We're, we're going to give it our best shot and, uh, hopefully grace be to God almighty. We're going to, we're going to get there. Well, it's been really fun to finally connect with all three of you and, and to hear your fascinating story. I am very excited for what's next for Senna Vegan. Um, I can't wait for everyone listening to this podcast to try it and, uh, and become a believer one taco at a time. You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit eftp.co. That's eftp.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.